I'm Dean Walker, and welcome to the Poetry of Predicament podcast, a podcast for people brave enough to face humanity's challenges and problems, and most importantly, our numerous predicaments. The Poetry of Predicament is a podcast meant to inspire us to bring forth grace, beauty, and connection with the web of life in the face of a predicament-laden world. Welcome back to the Poetry of Predicament podcast. This week our uh, guest is Lee Kumar, who has a substantial history in being involved with uh, transformation-based training of one kind or another. I think you'll find uh, Lee Kumar very conversant in some of the fine points of how to uh, work with people, train people, uh, coach people in their pursuit of transformation and a transformative state. Lee Kumar. So here we go. All right, welcome once again to the Poetry of Predicament podcast, and I'm your faithful host, Dean Walker, and I'm very pleased to be uh, interviewing a, yet another person in the recent past that I am just meeting. So there's this fresh spontaneity that's uh, really has to be in the space because that's all we've got at this point. It's just a delight to be welcoming Lee Kumar here uh, to the Poetry of Predicament. And Lee Kumar, it's, um, it's really been uh, kind of exciting for me to get this recommendation to speak with you from uh, our mutual uh, friend, uh, Clinton Callahan, who of course is the founder of Possibility Management. And for those who have a predicament for a while, you know that I make a point of bringing in people who are uh, in some way connected with the, the transformative, the, uh, the elements of growth work, of awareness work and expansion of capacity to be present work in the world. And um, Lee Kumar is connected with possibility management and the, the crew that works with uh, with Clinton and, and Chloe and, and the rest. Lee Kumar, I, I just included a whole bunch of information about me and you know just kind of where I'd like to see this go. And again, I'll, I'll see if I include that in this introduction for the listeners as well. I, I really um, look forward to us just sharing with each other and uh i've talked plenty up till now i really look forward to you please do if you would uh introduce yourself tell us what how you'd like to be known um any of your past that you'd like to include i'd especially appreciate it if you'd say something about what your past experience with the transformative uh, whether it's in in career terms or personal growth terms or your own practices um, and then why don't we take it from there? So welcome here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And, you know, we, I said in the introduction, this is the very first time that, uh, there is an opportunity for me. No, it's not an opportunity that I agree on an opportunity to be on the internet in a video. So, so far that never happened. So congratulations, Dean. All right. <laughs> Very good to have you there for the first time. So about myself, well, I started working when I was 15 years old because I was bored of school and school couldn't, you know, satisfy my attention anymore. So 
And I started my career in the banking world in Germany. I'm born in Germany and raised in Germany and worked uh, my professional life in Germany, as many people can hear on the accent. Um, and after 35 years, it became clear to me that um, what I'm doing is living in a virtual world. I'm supporting a virtual world and it was no fun anymore. I couldn't, I could not um, just live my life to earn money. So, and I'm very grateful for what happened in these 35 years because one of my Cohen's that I'm living from comes from this world. I met a project manager in one of the projects when I worked for a consulting company and he said to me, don't believe any numbers that you did not fake yourself. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and, and for me, this was one of the first transformational sentences that I heard in my life. And up till now, that's what I'm living up to. Don't believe anything that you did not fake yourself. So when people, you know, provide distinctions or offer expertise, you know, if I do not experience it for myself, if I not discover what it really is, it doesn't exist. So I'm I met Clinton Callahan, I think it was 1999 or 2000 in the first training. I was in a leadership program for the consulting company and he was one of the trainers there. We connected in 2002, I joined his two year program. And since then we're closer or farther away from each other, but we're just, you know, connected and uh, about a year ago he re-invite re-invited me yes re-invited me into his trainer circle because i had left um his trainer circle in 2009 i think 2008 or 2009 when i joined the spiritual community in the united states and uh, lived close with my spiritual teacher lee lozowick and um yeah and that was my biggest so far i would say biggest well no i don't want to say biggest one of the huge transformational experiences to live for life four years uh in with close to him with him and um with the way he lived his life and uh, he died in 2010 and since then i'm cruising around looking for you know more stuff to discover. I joined a program that is called Being a Leader and the Effective Exercise of Leadership, designed by Werner Erhardt with a few close friends of him. And um, that was like, wow. And um, there is one of my seconds, Cohen's coming from, you know. In the course, he speaks about integrity. He doesn't speak about integrity. I discovered what it means in his world to be a person of integrity. And after he had presented that the next day in the sharing, 
you know, the, these trainings are still going like the old S programs or the landmark programs right now. I said, well, I just discovered I will never be a man of integrity because the model that he presents doesn't allow for perfection. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, that's true. You better learn to love to climb the mountain with no top. Integrity is a mountain with no top and you better learn to climb. And that's the second Cohen that I'm living from. It will never be perfect and there will always be more and more of something that is different from the more that you live in as human beings right now, the world of I need to have more sugar, alcohol, money, success, satisfaction, whatever it is. It's a different more. Yeah. And, uh, can Lee, Lee Kumar, I'm curious if you would uh, do your best to say if if it's not if it's not the usual definition of more like more from the addictive, more from the consumptive, more from the business as usual paradigm. What what is that more? that was so compelling to you that you saw you got a taste of and you said yes yes i am i am very uh committed to climbing and it doesn't matter that there is no top what what is there if not the usual business as usual motivations Great question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, the more is about the thing that I believe I know. And it's myself. You know, we, we live our lives, we go through life to use Werner Earhart's language, we don't live our life, we go through life as if me and myself is the most important thing on this planet. But who is that I? Can you find it for me? Can you describe it to me? Who is that I? And if you ask enough people, you know, they tell you, oh, it's my body, or it's my thoughts, or it's my feelings, or whatever it is, but it's all just an expression of something that we have no idea about, that I have no idea about, you may, I don't know. Many people believe they have an idea about, but I don't believe that anymore. And to discover that thing that I'm dealing with, that I've been put into on this planet to fulfill on what's in front of me, that's what I'm interested in, to know more about that, to serve better, to be more aligned with what you know what's really needed and I'm, I'm curious you know thank you lee kumar that it's it's familiar words and familiar neighborhood that you're describing i i grew up in a similar 
part of the neighborhood far I think far earlier than when you're describing your time and it's uh it's lovely to hear you bringing in these distinctions forward for my from my memory I appreciate it I'm I'm curious if you could say more about where you are now in terms of what it is that you find that it's important enough to stand for in the way that you're describing, you know, to, to put it right there in your center. If you could describe that, because I, I heard you mention that you started out in the in the banking world and it was and it was not a real world. It was a, a false world, so to speak. And and you discovered that you saw yeah. that you you saw this isn't working for me and you went to find what could be more real. So, so when you've landed in this place, and you you mentioned a few different steps in that path that sound truly profound, you know, to be able to live with a spiritual teacher for a number of years, and and these very strong steps that you've taken, I'm curious if you could share how has your your innermost motivation, what what matters most to you, how has it evolved and you can you share with us how it how it lives for you now how do i say that what matters most for me now is and it, it's hard to say it's hard to say because it's so easily misunderstood but i say it anyways you know to accept what is to accept what I'm doing and the way I'm doing it. The way I show up in this planet, on this planet, in the work or wherever, to accept with no judgment and just accept it. So when I say that, you know, people say, yeah, but there is so much bad things. No, there is no bad thing. Bad doesn't exist. Bad is a concept that doesn't exist. All there is is results. I do something and anything that I do or don't do creates a result. That's it. But in making it bad or wrong or judging myself for doing it, I avoid to look at the result and be present to the result. When I'm present to the result of what I'm creating with no judgment, just looking at it, and I feel the pain when I did something that created a result that I don't want in my life, that's where transformation happens. There, when I allow myself to be present to the result that I created with an action or a non-action, a word or a not word, And people say, yeah, when you're okay with that, then, then you just move on. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm present to the result, and we're, we as human beings don't allow ourselves to be present to the results we're creating. We're living in a conceptual world. It's bad. Okay, it's bad. I don't do this anymore. And I keep doing it, the same thing, over and over and over again, and expect a different result which is my definition for insanity. Mm -hmm. 
but Paul Silver and Earhart's. I heard him say that. You know, that's that's what in, what's him say. Do the same thing and expect a different result. You know, sometimes in computers that happens. You reboot it five times to six times, it does something different. But we don't go there. So that's that's what I'm working with, and what's for me present right now, and that's what I'm making available. For example, I'm planning to have a training in November in uh, in the area of Boulder, Colorado. And that is exactly what we're going to do there. Five days to look at what does it mean to be okay, to accept who you are. And when I accept where I am and who I am and what I'm doing, then there is space for curiosity to find out, how did that happen? How did that happen? Mm -hmm. I create a result that I pretend I don't want to create, but I'm doing it. What happened? And it's not coming from a judgment. It's coming from curiosity. It's coming from how does this guy function? What is at the source of my actions? Yeah, yeah, got it. So um... There's a few familiar words in what you were just saying that I'd like to just ask a, a little bit more of you about. Yeah. Um, in, the, in this, if we could call this a path that a person might walk, a path of, of bringing myself closer and closer to full presence in the moment, full acceptance of what's so, and um, relatively full awareness of what am I seeing in terms of what are the results that have shown up in this life I've created is, is what I'm hearing you point toward. Um, there were a couple of words that I just wondered if you could say a little bit more because what the vast majority of the people who watch this podcast and also the the people who participate in my work they're they're learning they're they're wanting to learn how to bridge from life as it shows up in daily living now which is not what what you were just describing it's very much not that and so they want to you know they're they're curious enough they've gotten a taste of getting close to that level of source, that level of awareness, that level of, of presence. There's a couple of words that you mentioned. One is curiosity. And actually, you didn't mention it exactly, but you seem to be talking about what is often called a liquid state. And that liquid state is a one way that I describe that bridging from the business as usual, normal, what we call normal in this reality, which is so, uh, so often not aware, you know, literally unconscious, kind of the, I forget what you just quoted Werner Erhard calling it, but it is definitely an unconscious way of living, going through life, I think you might've called it. So I'm curious if you have any anything to say about what what you've noticed. What is the utility of how can we put to use this idea of curiosity? How is it valuable in this 
in this way of living that you're pointing us toward and uh, this idea of a liquid state does that ring a bell for you does that spark you to to share anything yeah I start with liquid state and then I speak yeah. a little bit about curiosity. So that's one of my battles, internal battles I have with possibility management. We're using terms that are distinctions. And to describe the distinction, we have a term, it's liquid state. If you want to go from one shape to another, any object to change the shape of the object you need to go through a liquid state so and then people get that distinction in the expand to box training and they're happy about it and they talk about liquid state but how does liquid state look like please tell me what does it mean when you're in liquid state how does it you know and, and that's exactly what I was speaking about. It's not bad. It's just I create a result. Oh, I'm in liquid state. No. Liquid state is a concept. What is liquid state? Well, the rug that I was standing on got pulled under my feet while I was standing on it. I'm in the air. I don't know what's happened next. I expect to land on the floor, but I don't. What's happening? That's what I describe liquid state. You know, mm -hmm. someone pulls the rug under my feet. I think I'm falling on the floor, but I don't. And what I'm doing is I learn a new skill. I learned something that was not that I was not aware of, that I had no idea about. I, I, you know, there is a there is a transformative process happening. Mm -hmm. That's it that's it how does it look like each time different i don't know how often i have been in liquid state i don't know if i even have a different state than liquid state in my life anymore because i don't have a rug that i'm standing on anymore nobody can pull that anymore well, people can i still have enough beliefs you know but i'm aware it's just a belief it's an opinion so what right. who cares about opinion about my beliefs do i put those in between you and me no if I do that, then I create a result that I don't want in my life. Okay. Right. But is it, so, I, I, I hear that you have a, a relative mastery and a deep familiarity with deep state. And just to be fair to the people that I'm talking about, you know, my, my listeners and, and many of the students in my work, you know, they, it's their first exposure to these things. And, and perhaps you can reach way back to your memory of, of the first time you experienced some conscious uh, awareness of what could be called that liquid state, that mm -hmm. that complete uncertainty, that loss of the floor, loss of any bearings. And so there's this immense disorientation and the extraordinary discomfort that, that, that can be a part of that process. And so, uh, while I get that you're quite used to it now, and I can say that I have become extraordinarily fond of the liquid state as well. You know, it is something that is, um, I'd much rather be there than, than anything in the, the, the normal realm. 
Um, so I, ju I just wanted to, to cut a little slack for the people for whom this is still very new and very uncomfortable when it is, mm -hmm. and to just validate, okay, so that's how it is now. And what we've just heard from is someone who has quite a track record of leaning into the very place that most of us try to avoid at, at all costs. So uh, just want to carve out a little wiggle room, a little space for people to experience it. This is really hard for me to lean into this. And here's this guy who's very familiar with it. Okay, <laughs> here we go. I'm, I'm curious if we could shift to the, the word curiosity. And it seemed like it seems like in my experience, and then, sorry. Let me quick interrupt you. You yeah. did a very good job on describing liquid state. Did you notice that? Um, I'm familiar with it, but okay, thank you. Yeah, so I don't need to say anything else. You you laid it out perfectly. Thanks okay. for doing it. Okay. Um, I, I have, a, a, as you may have heard, I. I have a very special fondness for this distinction, liquid state. I also have a very warm place in my heart for this word curiosity. It is far more than just something that I have when I go in a store and I'm looking around to see if there's something I want to buy. No, the curiosity has, I have a really a sacred place there's a place on my altar for curiosity. And so I'm curious if you could say, how, how it, do you hold this motivation of our attention and our intent and our presence that I would say that curiosity is? How does it show up? How is it useful? Of what value is curiosity for us? The, the the best way to describe curiosity for me is to watch a child. Children have so much curiosity. And they don't know a lot. Because they're just born. They have what they got. Whatever that is, I don't remember that what I got when I was born, but they have what they got and everything they collect in the first few years it comes completely out of number one innocence because they don't have judgments they don't have anything all that is not in place yet and all they have is curiosity they look they want to find out what is that they don't have words so they're not stuck with the words that i'm stuck with they, they just look newly at everything and start discovering how is that working if you see children you know and if they're not overwhelmed with toys if they put them you know somewhere in the garden they are busy for hours mm -hmm. hours in discovering what is this out of curiosity because there is so much that they don't know and want to know 
yeah. want to find how is the texture how is the smell how is the taste you know what can i do with it oh i can form that oh, oh, and i can build something out of it and that's and that's uh exactly what curiosity is for me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i let go of what i know and i take what's in front of me and start looking at it newly mm -hmm. you know for a while i did the experiment to wake up in the morning next to the person that i was waking up to and looking at that person newly and it was not a one night stand sorry so it was really somebody that i'm in a relationship with many years mm -hmm. to discover that person every morning new who are you what's that smell you know really to and that's curiosity yeah discover newly anything that you believe you know already and that includes me yeah yeah, beautiful. I'm, I'm thinking it might be a good time to shift gears. I'd like to share with you a little bit of a, a project, a little you know, growing edge in, in my body of work and, and see if you have any suggestions. Because I, I think this area of curiosity, what what sparked for me when you were just describing is we, we live in a deeply polarized and troubled world right now you know here in the united states it is um there is so much aggression and so much separation and so much polarization uh, it's extraordinary and it's uh often painful to just be in the presence of it for me and what i noticed is as you were describing very familiar scenarios of curiosity it's just lovely and i noticed if in my own system, and I believe in the human system, if we have curiosity present in our system, there's no room for polarization and aggression and separation and judgment. There is no judgment in curiosity. <laughs> so I'm, you know, that's it. This is pointing toward the area that I'm. I'm wanting to share with you and talk about, but does that spark anything in you? Does that sound familiar? That uh, yeah, yes. Okay. I mean, I'm not a political person, and I don't want to be a political person. And when people ask me about my political uh, orientation, I say I use common sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that answers the question. Oh, yeah. So, you know, no matter what the person is, oh, yeah, then you're a Democrat. Or if it's a Republican, then you're a Republican. Of course. Yeah. It can be heard anyway, though. <laughs> so, but I, I don't I don't have a political opinion. I use common sense okay. as much as possible. Maybe this is as, as good a, a doorway into what I wanted to explore with you as, as anything you're you're using the word common sense and um it it is very common to hear those words common sense you know it's used every day all the time and what's interesting is that everyone who's using it has a particular way of defining it for themselves if they've ever even thought 
about how they would define it. Many, many people I find don't have any way to describe what they actually mean by common sense. So I'd like to explore that with you, if I may, to, and, and I'm doing this to just to describe uh, one way of looking at this this kind of new project that I'm that I'm on to. And um, in in possibility management, one of the distinctions that's that's used quite often is uh, if we look at the our physical body and we talk about the center of our physical body. If I'm a martial artist, for instance, I talk about the physical center, which is often called the hara or, or dantian, and it's down in underneath my uh, my belly button and inside in the center in body center. And so that's the physical center. But um, when, when we look at the human experience, we are so much more than our body. And in fact, uh, possibility management talks about having five bodies, if you will, five different facets of this life that I'm living in this experience. And so uh, if we have five bodies, of course, we have the physical to start out with, because that's the easiest to see and everybody knows about it. And there's no debate, right? Then that we've got the mental body, kind of an unusual thing to talk about the mental body, but stay, you know, I know you know this, and I'm, I'm speaking like this for the folks who might not know this, who are yeah. listening. And so the, um, the physical, the mental, the feeling body or the emotional range, that, that dimension, <clears throat> excuse me, of our experience is, could, could easily be considered its own facet, its own body in our experience. Then we have the energetic body, which by the way, I, you know, folks who watch this, this show quite often know by now that that is really my primary sensing in the world. My presencing and sensing in the world happens through the energy body more far more so than any of the others um, but for most of the world it is it's invisible it's it's you know they might have a, a a slight intuition from time to time that they are some sensation that's not quite physical and they they sort of get a sense of something but for most of the world the energy body is is just not visible and not they're not aware of it there's a, a fifth body that is uh, perhaps the most complex in my experience to be able to include easily into this kind of a brief conversation. It, it often is called the soul or the archetypal body. And um, it's actually extraordinarily rich and worthy of hours of conversation, to be sure. We don't have that today, and it's, it's a little bit less... Um, I'm, I'm less able to bring it forth in a, in a significant way in a short time than the others. The main point being, if we have these five facets, four of them beyond this physical, what if each of those bodies has its own center, like the physical body has a center? What if our mental body has a center? What if our feeling body has a center? and uh, the energy body has a center. So 
what I'm attempting to do in the, the expansion of this body of work called Living Resilience or the Deep Academy programs that I, that I put out is there's never been a time more important than now for people to be able to return to center. I'm asserting that what got us into this existential level global predicament that we're in, which I believe my experience is we are fully in it, in this predicament, is that we are collectively and individually knocked off center. And that is not by accident. So a whole nother conversation about what's doing that, taking us off center, how we're taking ourselves off center and so on. I just want to pull one thread through that you started us on when you talked about the word common sense. So I'd like to pull up that mental body just for the heck of it. Let's play for a little while and, and let's play together and say, how would a person who's never thought about a mental body or a mental center and how would a person know if they're off center? And how would a person know if they have their have reclaimed their center in this mental body? And is it possible if I'm returned to that mental center, is it possible that I'm experiencing common sense? I'm going to leave the question open from there. Yeah, does that spark you to say anything? So. I, for myself, have not discovered centers of all the five bodies. Mm -hmm. And um, since you sent me the invitation, I started looking more. And I'm aware that there is a center that we have for the emotional body, uh, for the energetic body, not emotional, an energetic body. And we can move that around in our body or even outside our body. Mm -hmm. And... I like very much what you said, you know, most people are not aware of their energetic body, but we all have it and it all exists and we all have the sensations of what it is. We all have it. It's just that we shut down that channel and surrender to what our mind has been trained. Mm -hmm. And we all grew up in a particular school system, in a particular society, and, and all that creates a massive imprint on us as a human being. And for me, the transformational work is to get back to zero, to untrain what we have been trained in, or to let go of what we have been trained in and to discover newly what's possible. If I let go of it. Right. And so I, I guess about, keep going. Ask your question. I I um appreciate the words you're using for that. And I'm curious if if just for the moment, just to play with it together, if yeah. we could include the in this kind of gently forming in the mist notion that each of these bodies has a center. And what if whatever the experience is in you 
that you're describing when you say the word common sense. I have this common sense that I refer to, that I have, I have established for myself. I refer to it in my system. I know where it is. I know what it feels like. And when I'm feeling it, when I'm in contact with it, I know that I'm in contact with common sense. Let's play for a moment. What if that is in the vicinity of your mental body center? Okay. Yeah. And so I'm curious, first, does that spark anything? Does that open anything? Or And, and if it doesn't, that's fine. We can continue in a number of different tracks. So uh, I guess, does it spark any any experience in you, any sharing that you are inclined to to offer this idea of what you're calling common sense could possibly be called your mental body center? That would be too small for me. And I say, and I say a little more why I say that. Yeah. <clears throat> Common sense is when all five bodies are in alignment with each other. Mm -hmm. That's what common sense. When what's happening in the energetic body informs the other bodies, when what's happening in the physical body informs the other bodies, and we're acting in a way that all five bodies are in alignment with each other. <clears throat> yes. Fulfilling on what we came for to this planet. That's where the archetypal lineage or the archetypal body comes in, you know. Yes. We, we all have a mission. Some of us uh, discover it, others don't. And some of us uh, follow their mission. <clears throat> and others don't, and it's all okay. And I, you know, for me, common sense, my experience, my own experience of common sense is that I can't wait to get out of bed and get it done, whatever mm -hmm. is right in front of me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like this morning, you know, I, I knew there is something happening and I have to do that do I have resistance? Yes, a lot. Is it my job to do that? I don't know. You know, but these questions don't don't interfere with my actions because there is there is an alignment of the of the five bodies with each other, and that's a state of common sense. And then I'm doing what's what's there. I say yes, and see what comes out of it. Yes. Well, I. <laughs> I love this surprise. This is a great surprise. So what my what I'm experiencing that you in this last two minutes of sharing, it feels like you just jumped to the punchline. You jumped to what was uh, was really I was hoping we might get to at the end of this conversation about this new project of and really the, the whole idea is to um, distinguish the five bodies with five centers 
yeah. and and some of the ways in which we could bring ourselves to an, a felt sense of center in each of those five bodies. That's the project. Mm -hmm. And the punchline part that you just said so beautifully is what happens because uh, I'm it's uncanny. You you it, you could easily have just been inside of my own brain, as I would have loved to have said, when those five bodies are in their sense, their felt sense of center, there is um, a synergy, there is an expression that is far larger than just that that particularly poignant, coherent moment. It is a beautiful, coherent moment, and there's something that occurs that is larger than that coherence, larger than that those things lining up. And that's what I heard you describing, and that and that is a, a truly a sacred, a passionate, a extraordinary moment of emergence of the truly new. Yeah. So thank you. I, I'm. I'm surprised and uh, delighted. <laughs> I ruined many jokes because I put the punchline all too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's that there's that joke about uh, about telling jokes that there's there's one thing that's more important than anything else in telling jokes timing. And I always say it at the wrong time. I even screwed that joke up. <laughs> I'm terrible at that stuff. Um, I actually want to do something now with you, Lee Kumar, if I may. Yeah, I'm noticing. I'm I'm delighted. I'm you know I'm feeling energized, and I've been talking fast and breathing shallow, and you know it's been fun. You know it's fun. It's like playing, and it's good. And I also notice that I can do that one really well. I can do it where I start to take that on for most of my day where i can be going faster than what's really than my system is really calling for and and i'm tending to miss some precious moments because i'm moving so quickly because i'm not breathing because i'm not taking a pause so if i may i'd just like to pause with you for a moment yeah so um I'm cueing my system to be able to reference what's sometimes called my implicit system. You know, it kind of runs down through my core. And by slowing down what I'm saying and deepening my breathing, because it's been minutes since I've taken a full breath. And there's a warmth all across here in my chest and a softness in my belly. And now just a little bit of pressure of, of tears behind my eyes. And these are all really good cues, good kind of symptoms of slowing down. There's a, there was a moment there that I, I described a moment ago that the surprise and delight of what you had shared and how you had said it and how it so beautifully overlapped with with my own experience as well and and that 
it's precious territory. It's it's rare that I get to have these conversations because not many people <clears throat> not many people visit this neighborhood. Not many people uh, spend much time on this street corner and have these conversations. So I'm taking time to really look at you now because I I haven't been looking at you I've been kind of letting my eyes wander and I, I feel a sense of closeness and connection even though we're miles and miles apart and again that warmth is so welcome and uh <laughs> yeah it's 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 very moving to be sharing with you like this from somebody I just basically didn't know an hour ago to be yeah. sharing it to be sharing at this level of, about some of the most vitally alive elements of being a human being it's it's a uh, it's precious and I, I thank you for this moment I'd like to I'd like to uh, invite whatever you'd like to share to complete our time together and, and particularly you know you're speaking about you've got a, a workshop coming up in Colorado and and I'm happy to include the information for that in the show notes of this podcast. But I'm curious if there were people who are their interest is peaked. They're they're wondering, wow, maybe maybe that's an experience that that I'd like to do. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what what are your what are you doing when you're doing that work? What what's the atmosphere like? What is your intent? What are you well, we know a lot more about what you're motivated by. <laughs> but um, I'm wondering if there's anything you could share and and um, possibly share in a way that someone who's sort of new to this type of conversation that they could understand a little bit more what's what's this like what's this type of experience like yes so i start there um, we do two trainings in colorado uh, one is the expand the box training it's a five-day training where we look exactly at what we started describing here you know just to discover oh hold on I don't even know who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I'm not aware of the results that I create in certain actions. And in the expand the box training, we have 
about 40 distinctions that we, you know, discover together and do exercises with so that we're present to the results. We do the exercise in the old way, you know, that we're doing unconsciously and then we're doing it in a new way where we're using consciously certain skills that we, you know, develop together, not develop, but discover. And, and then from there, um, I can pretty much guarantee that everybody has at least one liquid state experience during these five days. If you're lucky, you have a five day liquid state experience and you walk out of the training with, um, yeah, with a lot more than with what you went in and uh, a lot less baggage that you're carrying around that you're unaware of, that slows you down or speeds you up, you know, as you wonderfully described, you know, sometimes we're start running because, you know, slowing down is too painful. It's too, it's too intense. How many people can sit with each other for five minutes without speaking, just being present to each other? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So that's the expand the box training. And then we do a lab, which is the second level. You have to do an expand the box training to be uh, allowed or invited or, you know, assigned for a lab. And in that we do more of this kind of work. We, we work with the, with the five different bodies. So we do what we call emotional healing processes in the lab where you get to see you know what what is the source of certain reactions and it's clearly reactions why do i react to these kind of things and why can't i just respond to it and for me responding and reacting is very different you know reacting is automatic and i have no control responding is like it's a careful consideration and then i you know go there. So that's what we're doing in the lab is mostly an atmosphere of no judgment. And um, an extraordinary space that we create with, and I want to talk about that a little more bright principles. Because what I experienced with you in the conversation is, you know, when you start speeding up, then you have no, you know, it's not you speaking anymore. It's like I can sense there are bright principles that need to express themselves. And when you open the doors, you know, it's right there. So, and that's where all the energy comes from. You know, when, when we're in, 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 in training, you know, I always notice when I get exhausted that I'm in the way. Mm -hmm. I can't do the work. Likumar can't do the work, but I can open the door for the bright principles. And if you want to know what bright principles are, dear audience, in November, we introduce that to you. <laughs> if I'm opening the door to the bright principles, you know, then there is just, you know, energy, endless energy. Hmm. Because I'm not using it, I'm generating it. I'm, I'm being used by, which is another term that, um, Werner Erhard created, you know, mastery is being used by the distinction. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, 
what I noticed with you in the conversation, that's where we resonate. You know, we have certain practices and the result of practice is being used by distinctions that we practice. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate very much your invitation. And I'm not using words lightly. So whoever believes that I'm just a kind person, forget about that. I'm not a nice person, I'm not a kind person. I have clarity and I use that clarity and some people don't like it because I'm not a nice person, but I care for you. I care for people more than I care for myself and I do what's necessary mm -hmm. to create a space for people to be able to transform. Yeah. I can't do anything. Transformation happens and you need to do it. But I, I'm willing and do everything that's needed to create those spaces that it can happen. Well, Lee Kumar, it has uh, been uh, an absolute delight to spend time with you. And uh, it is clear that we have lived in uh, neighborhoods quite close to one another without having met for many years now. And uh, I look forward to many, many more uh, connections of whatever kind we can create whatever excuse we can create to uh, spend more time together and and uh, have this this type of connection and conversation it's it's been um, truly nourishing for me to uh, to meet you and to have this conversation thank you for me too thank you mm -hmm. thanks for watching another episode of the poetry of predicament podcast Produced by Dean Walker and the Living Resilience Alliance, www.livingresilience.net. Music today from Michael Hedges, as always, and also Port Blue into the Sea. Also available on our website, www.livingresilience.net, is a wide array of articles, online learning series, arranging group and individual resilience coaching, and sign up for our every other Tuesday free support group that we call Safe Circle Calls.